0: Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 110. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week I want to talk about wearing the hat of the education advocate. If you'd like to see other free posts like this one, you can check out my website at WilliamDparker.com or my books, Principal Matters or Messaging Matters at my website or at amazon.com. Last week, I was walking back to my car from a visit to Oklahoma State Capitol when I saw a line of reporters and police and education supporters stopped in front of me. I just happened to be on the street where Tulsa Public School Superintendent Deborah Gist and others from her community were arriving from a week-long march from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. Teachers and parents and children were lined along the street with signs that read support education or ones that said my textbooks are as old as my grandma. And police on motorcycles led the procession, followed by a high school band and hundreds of others who had joined the marchers in their last few miles to the Capitol steps. And as Deb Gist addressed the crowds of thousands, she said, this is not a protest. This is a movement. She praised supporters for their work. She called them to continue advocating for schools, and she reminded them to vote. Oklahoma education has been in the news a lot lately, and this week, I just wanted to reflect on some thoughts that I've been having about the advocacy in my own state and the roles that education leaders can play as advocates. Last week, the New York Times reported Oklahoma teachers end walkout after winning raises and additional funding. Dana Goldstein and Elizabeth Diaz reported that many teachers across our state were returning to school after a two-week work stoppage that had affected approximately 500,000 students from schools participating in the rallies. But Oklahoma is not the only state in the news for education rallies. Across the U.S., state legislatures have faced increasing pressure as teachers respond to years of unsustainable cuts to school funding. Just a few weeks ago, West Virginia teachers rallied for new state laws that have resulted in teacher pay raises. Kansas has been settling a constitutional crisis that required their state Supreme Court to step in last fall and force the legislature to fund its schools. And just this last week, lawmakers in Kansas were told that their budget was still $80 million short of the funding required and they were scrambling to redo their math and find a solution. In Missouri, schools face pressures from a court-embattled governor who just months ago removed state Board of Education members, fired the state education commissioner, and cut school funding by $68 million. And now the governor is facing calls for his resignation from his state's attorney general and his own majority leader in the state Senate because of revelations of alleged sexual misconduct. In Kentucky, teachers rallied at their state capitol this week as their state legislature voted to override a governor's veto on a bill to increase funding for Kentucky's public schools by $480 million. And teachers in other states like Arizona are conducting walk-ins, rallies to ask for support with threats of walking out if their state does not soon increase school funding. No matter what your politics, if you're involved in school leadership, public policies affect all the work that we do in our communities and in our schools. And across the U.S., public schools especially have faced difficult times as state legislatures have cut taxes and reduced funding. And this week, Mark Wingfield in the Baptist News Global wrote an opinion piece called When it comes to funding public education, don't eat your seed corn. Let me read you a quote from that article that I thought was thoughtful. Quote, Too many states in our union, and even our nation itself, have cut funding for public education to the point of eating their seed corn. And they have done so around the rallying cry of low, low bargain basement taxes. It seems there is no bottom to the desire to avoid paying taxes. This is neither wise nor fiscally conservative. It is instead selfish. There is a difference between fiscal conservatism and selfishness, by the way, end quote. So what are school leaders to do in the face of public policies that are so dramatically impacting our schools to the point that some schools are facing work stoppage or rallies at state capitals or losing teachers because of lack of support from their state legislatures? Well, the reality is that as a school leader... You are not just an instructional leader in your school. You also bear the weight that results from all good or bad public policies. You know that you're often the one that's asked to reorganize school budgets or master schedules with fewer dollars or fewer teachers, depending on your state's budgets or your school district's budgets. When state or federal laws are passed that affect school policies or practices, you're the one that's asked to be on the front line of implementing change. And as I've shared with school leaders here and across the nation on the many hats that you must wear to lead a school, the hat of the advocate is one that I often don't talk about. So today I want to talk about what are the best practices for wearing the hat of an education advocate. And here are six. Number one, stay informed. Whether it's through an association membership or subscribing for alerts through your state's legislative websites, find ways to stay informed with the facts. For instance, in my own state, we can subscribe for updates from our House of Representatives at our state's website, OKHouse.gov. And this feedback is essential to having current and up-to-date information for staying informed on what potential decisions could affect our schools. As a member of my State Principal Association and as a member of the National Association of Secondary Principals, I find our advocacy teams incredibly powerful in their recent, in their up-to-date and useful information that they share. And as much as I love up-to-date information that I find on social media, let me caution you that social media is not always the best source for facts. It may be a great place for sharing, but a quick rule of thumb is to remember what you learned from your high school English teacher. Find primary documents and check your sources before making informed decisions. So number one, stay informed. Number two, Be involved in advocacy. Contacting your legislator may not be fun, but it's an important part of being a voice of reason for your representatives. Invite them to your school. Connect with them by phone or by email. Voice concerns or ask for support for upcoming bills. And of course, nothing replaces face-to-face interactions. Over the years, I have included students in advocacy. They provide the most powerful examples of how laws directly affect their lives Last year, for instance, I took a group of students and a teacher with me to the Capitol, and a senior student shared her story with one of our state senators about how her high school teacher and student council sponsor had inspired her to pursue her dream of becoming a communications major when she was going to college. She wanted to know why lawmakers were unable to support more funding to keep that teacher in our school because she was looking out of state at higher salaries. Those real life stories are important ways. To engage in advocacy. In our state, most recently, districts have been designating teacher teams or parent advocacy committees to visit lawmakers on their behalf. So, whatever it takes, be involved in advocacy. Number three, know your representatives. Voting records and conversations are helpful ways to determine which elected officials sincerely support your schools. And because my state has a law that requires 75% majority agreement on tax increases. Oklahoma has often been paralyzed in its ability to increase funding. So with that small margin of error, a handful of representatives can easily train wreck any proposals for our schools. So during this past budget crisis, it became apparent that certain members had to change their votes. And by studying representative educators across our state, we're able to identify which members should be targeted for outreach, emails, and visits. And remember this, representatives are people too. When you're reaching out to them, do so with the same dignity and respect you would want others to show you when they're asking for your support. So number three, know your representatives. Number four, support and vote for pro-education candidates. Now, I'm not going to say much about this, but long-term support for schools can't happen if we aren't active voters. And registering to vote, helping others to register, making donations, attending town hall meetings, volunteering for candidates are things that we must be doing. We simply don't have room to complain if we're not actively involved in the democratic process of electing representatives who truly represent the best interest of our communities. Number five, showcase your school's successes. You know that I'm a big fan of positive messaging, which is why I wrote the book, Messaging Matters, but school leaders must combine what they're doing in their schools with their advocacy. We can't ask lawmakers to support our school's if they're not places that inspire their support. And as the chief communicator for your school, you have to ask yourself these questions. How are you highlighting, showcasing, and celebrating student and teacher successes? How are you encouraging parents to be involved in the great learning or activities that are happening in your school? How are you sharing stories of success or achievement beyond your own school community? So whether it's through a weekly newsletter or social media posts or social gatherings or press releases, keep your community informed of the powerful learning and growing that's happening. Share these stories beyond your school community because public perception drives public policy. We must be agents of influence by messaging positive and celebratory moments throughout every day of our school community if we want others to believe in our schools. One of my favorite examples of this comes close to home from a principal, Aspicia Carlson, at Marshall Mid-High School in Oklahoma City. She doesn't miss a day in sharing images, videos, or highlights of successes happening with her students or teachers. And through her positive messaging with parents, community members, local officials, she has rallied strong support and turned an at-risk school into a successful, thriving one. Number six, build and maintain positive relationships. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from the recent days in Oklahoma is the importance of maintaining strong relationships. You must keep trust with your students, teachers, and community members. For instance, during the recent work stoppages around our state, local boards of education approved proposals to cancel school so the teachers could rally. So they immediately had the support of their communities. And then principals and superintendents Or standing with teachers and community members, bringing them donuts for their bus rides, walking with them in long miles to the Capitol, or sending delegates to the Capitol on their behalf for the schools that stayed in session. And when it was time for many of them to return to their schools, it was these relationships that were the glue that pulled many communities back together and shifting their focus to finishing school, continuing rallying for support with delegations, and preparing for upcoming elections. At the end of the day, it's relationships that are the most important part of maintaining our learning communities. And we don't want advocacy to damage the trust that we have with one another. So let's wrap this up. These past few weeks in my state have been rewarding and they've been challenging. On the one hand, our state has seen bills passed that provide historic tax increases for school funding. And on the other hand, many educators experience discouraging realities like gridlock or name-calling or the other things that are involved in politics. And last night, I saw a post on Facebook from a parent in my community that summarized why advocacy is worth it. Stephanie Rutman is a stay-at-home mom whose husband is an officer in the Air Force, and she was responding to some posts that she had seen from teachers who felt disappointed that their advocacy had fallen short of some of the increased funding levels that they wanted restored to schools. And here's what she said, quote, I keep hearing teachers and parents say that they feel defeated, that the walkout was all for nothing. Do not feed that lie. Starve it. As it goes with teaching, the impact this walkout has had on me and my kids and thousands of others across the state cannot be measured in dollars and cents. Because of you, I know who my legislators are, and I did not know that before. Because of you, I overcame my intimidation of contacting those legislators. Because of you, I am so much more informed about the legislative process. Because of you, I will be an informed voter on my state representatives for the first time since I registered to vote. Previously, I left that space unmarked. Because of you, I know the questions to ask, and I'm not intimidated to ask them of those running for office. Because of you, I have a standard in mind of what a rally or a protest or a movement should look like. Energized, peaceful, kind, clean, clever, and loud. Because of you, I have a new sense of determination to fight on behalf of for the funding you deserve to do your job to the best of your ability. Because of you, change has occurred and change is a coming. And she concludes with this, I know these sentiments do not put food on the table or money into the state formula for you, but these sentiments do propel me and countless others to fight harder for you. The walkout may be over, but the movement is just beginning, end quote. So why do education leaders need to wear the advocacy hat? Because at the end of the day, you know that you are adding your voice with thousands of others from across our communities to positively influence the lives of our students. So how do you wear that hat? You stay informed. You stay involved. You know your representatives. You vote. You celebrate successes. And you keep strong relationships. So now it's your turn. What is one step that you can be taking this week to reach out to a legislator on behalf of your school? What successes or great moments of learning can you share from your community so that you're celebrating the reasons your school needs to be supported? And how can you keep building strong relationships with others so that you're maintaining a positive influence when it's time for crucial conversations? Well, I hope that's helpful. Those are just a few of the many, many thoughts I've had as I've watched all of these events unfolding over this past week. But I hope that as you move forward in the work that you're doing as both an instructional leader but also a defender and an advocate for your school, that you remember that you do it for students, you do it for your communities, because what you do matters. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out my other post at my website at williamdparker.com or my books Messaging Matters or Principal Matters there at amazon.com Until next time, I hope that you have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you soon.